and welcome to Permanently Resident, a podcast about the ups and downs of living abroad. My name is Robin, I'm from Brighton, England, and I'm living in San Leandro, California. Hey, I'm Jose, I'm living in Tokyo, Japan, and I'm from Simi Valley, California. So this is episode 27. Today we're talking about learning a language, uh, why we think that might help, and uh, some tips to uh, help you along the way. But before we do that, we got a question of the week from Harry in Brighton, England. Harry uh, was disappointed with your recommendation uh, for Peru, Peruvian food. So uh, he would what? like to he would like to know what's the best place to visit in Peru. Wait, I don't understand. Does does that mean he went to a Peruvian restaurant and he didn't enjoy it? No, no, no. I think he just uh, he just wanted to know uh, he. He was maybe looking for a place, and you offered a, a food, so he just wants to know what the best place to visit in Peru is. Ah, uh, okay. Well, for food, I mean, 100%. Not for, not, not for food. Uh-huh. What's the best tourist attraction to visit in Peru? Okay, well, um, I think the, li- the lines of Nazca are pretty nice. You get up there, you can see the images drawn out in the sand, right? Can you, so, I mean, I know what that is, but can you explain it a little bit more? Um, <laughs> I guess ancient images drawn out in the sand, right? And you have to get up on a tower to overlook them, or you could take an airplane or helicopter, I think airplane ride over it, and you could kind of see them. Supposedly, they're made by uh, ancient Incas, right? I think that's... Uh, I, think that's a pre, I think, as I remember, pre-Incan uh, civilization. Okay. And okay. it's, uh, I mean, I might be wrong on that, but uh, the, mm. as far as I, I remember, the, the big mystery is that they're absolutely huge. Yes. You can only see them from, from the sky, so it's not really clear how people made such huge images uh, without, you know, bal- a balloon or a, f- a helicopter or a plane. Mm, exactly. Yeah, very, very mysterious, very nice. Then, of course, I mean, it goes without saying, you have to go to Machu Picchu. Uh, it is a trek. You have to fly from Lima. I don't think international flights are flying to uh, Cusco. Then from there, you got to take a train. Then you got to take a bus. Then you got to hike all the way up. And uh, you will not be disappointed. Uh, Machu Picchu is extremely beautiful. Um, and it's quite a quite a different uh, culture. Not culture, but different feeling from Lima, I would say, if you go into Cusco. That's another thing. And, um, I mean, for me, that's pretty much all I've been to, the big spots. But there's a few more. I think if you go in the interior, you can get to the Amazon, right? A little bit. The Peruvian side of the Amazon, not not the Brazilian side of the Amazon. Uh, That's always an option. And I heard uh, Lake Titicaca (laughs) is very nice as well. Uh, I've not actually been there myself, though. So, definitely, there's some spots. I thought I thought the city of Cusco was pretty pretty amazing in itself. Oh, did you like it? What point did you like? Um, I mean, it's somewhat similar to a lot of other colonial cities in Latin America, but you've got this kind of mixture of Incan and uh, Spanish coming together in one place, right? So that was you know it's quite unique compared to other places like. You know, even other places in Peru, like Lima or Arequipa or somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it is a very unique city. Um, it's definitely growing uh, over these past few years. I went there like 10 years ago and there wasn't much there. And now uh, there's restaurants all over the place. They really, uh, they really outfitted it for tourists, I think, uh, whether you think that's good or bad, <laughs> but it's definitely happened. Mm. But there's still like the old church in the square, right? The cathedral and uh, the Spanish architecture, I think you're alluding to, like the, the roads and the, the narrow streets and all those kinds of things. Those are, it's definitely unique in that sense. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully Harry was happy with that. So thank you for your uh, question, Harry. And uh, we'll look forward to answering some more in the near future. Um, Harry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was that, Harry, but <laughs> I could be wrong. Um, so let's, uh, let's move on. Let's start off by talking about um, maybe what are the good points, what are the advantages of knowing a language when you move yeah. somewhere, or even if you're just visiting somewhere for a few days or a week. Yeah. Like what doors does that open? So you want to kick us off? The advantages of learning a language, right? Yeah. Um, well, I think we, we talked about it. And one of the main things is, uh, I, I mentioned is you can save a lot of money by uh, learning a language. Uh, I thought that was quite important because, you know, for example, I'll give you just one take on it. Um, in Japan, there's obviously, well, everywhere in the world, we use a bunch of apps and applications, right? But when you're in Japan, all these apps are usually in Japanese. And if you can't navigate a little bit, you know, just a little bit, you know, read email address, password, all these little things, it's quite hard to sign up or get registered. And you do save a lot of money. You save 10% at the electronic store. You get free hamburgers at McDonald's. Uh, you get all, all kinds of little benefits, right? So I think being able to navigate language just from the perspective of applications does save you money and makes things a bit more convenient if you're in Japan. So that's one of the big advantage, I think. Yeah, I think a, a slightly different take on that would be that yeah. if, you're, yeah. if you're just following your Western guidebook or Western websites or... You know, I mean, it applies to any language, right? But if you're visiting, say, Japan and you're only following what people are saying in English, yeah, you know, often they're going to recommend the same types of tourist places, tourist restaurants, and sure, you know, sure. often those are more expensive, right? But if you if you can maybe you know take a look on the Japanese equivalent of Yelp or talk yeah. to a Japanese person or have a good conversation with a um, you know, someone in Seven Eleven or whatever it is, and ask them like, okay, so where's a good place that you can eat for cheap? Then, yeah. you know, I think that's a good way to that's a way to save money as well. And you simply can't do that if you don't speak the language wherever you are. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, you know, if you do speak the language, you can uh, you can go to some nice restaurants, and you're not paying a premium for it being a tourist restaurant or paying a premium for, you know, them being able to speak English. And, you know, a lot of those places aren't so good anyways, those like tourist trap type of places. Mm. Um, the, the really good places are, you know, you know, places where you would need to navigate with language, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even like the entertainment industry, right? Like, oh, come here, come to this bar, beautiful girls, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I promise you, Japanese people aren't going there, right? They... <laughs> they're going to they're going to their spots where you know they they know right so definitely I I, I get what you're saying here. Um, 
I know some. I guess there's something else that's kind of related to the saving money, and I kind of yeah. alluded to it. Is just saying it just gives you more if you can even just speak a little bit, ask some basic questions, you know, know how to be polite. Uh, yeah. you know, people open up a little bit and it just gives you a lot more options with almost everything. I think, um, you know, yeah. more places to eat, more places to visit, more ways to get around, as you said, more options yeah. to save money. Um, so I think it just really opens it up in terms of, you know, what's available to you. If you walk into a bank in Japan, there's not going to be English support there. Yeah. In Tokyo, there's simply not. You think, oh, it's Tokyo. It's fine. It's not fine. It's not fine. You, I went into a bank in the middle of the city, and I had to open my credit card with 75 to 80% using Japanese. Mm. That's really tough. If you're just speaking English and you're going to try to make a credit card or do some, like, financial thing, like, good luck. Like, it's not going to happen. You, you'll be really lucky if there's a guy working in the bank who happens to speak English. Mm. So um, a lot of things can be difficult. Here it's similar. I'd say some places you're going to get people who can speak Spanish in the bank. Some places you're going to get people who can speak Cantonese. But aside from that, like if you don't speak English, like you're going to be stuck. Definitely. Definitely going to get stuck. So um, it's definitely one advantage to learning the language. So what do you, I mean, what I mentioned was that there are more options. So you just feel like as you've improved in with your uh, Japanese, you've just had kind of more options open to you in terms of, so, you know, social, professional, maybe romantic. Um, yeah, your world definitely opens up as you, as you learn language, whether it's at a restaurant and you understand the menu <laughs> even more, right? Yeah. That's, that's just like a basic thing though. Like, but you really, you can read some of the stuff. You can, oh, yeah, I like that one. I remember that one. Uh, even the menu will open up. Um, professionally, obviously, the, the more Japanese you have, the more options you have, right? Uh, I'm in IT recruitment. So for someone who speaks no Japanese, maybe they'll have like a handful of companies to choose from. Someone who speaks like a middle-level Japanese, they'll have like, you know, 20, 30 companies to choose from. Someone who's fluent and has the skills, they can work anywhere, right? Yeah. So as your Japanese goes up, you're, you're definitely your, your, uh, your options open up. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking socially as well. I remember being in, being in Chile and there were some people there who didn't speak any Spanish at all. And then there oh, were yeah. some people who spoke some and then some people whose Spanish was pretty good. Yeah. And just, you know, just socially, like, people would invite you to do things because they could invite you. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because you could understand uh, what they were saying and they, uh, you could understand how to, you know, an address and what time it was. And, you know, people couldn't overcome that and invite you, but generally, you know, they're going to feel shy about speaking a language that they don't know very well. And they're going to feel self-conscious and that puts a barrier yeah. between, you know, that stops a lot of people from engaging you in conversation. And as I said, so, uh, you know, socially that can really cut down your opportunities. So my, my Japanese is not fluent by any stretch stretch. It's like, um, conversational, I guess. 
but there's been there's been some times like uh, me and Akari, we we met a, a friend of mine, and he brought he brought his wife, mm-hmm. and his wife didn't speak English, mm-hmm. so I don't think they would have invited he wouldn't have invited his wife if I couldn't speak some Japanese. I think it would have been t- way too tough. It would have been. 100% English and she would have been left out completely right so for the fact that I could at, at the very least every once in a while because we were talking majority English but every once in a while ask her a, f- a few questions in Japanese or let them speak Japanese and kind of understand you know 30 40% of what they're talking about yeah. uh, it created enough balance where he could bring his non-English speaking wife to this social situation Exactly. So that's a that's a great uh, example. Um, I think another another one. I mean, I I could probably list maybe ten or more, but let's just mention one more. I think is okay. like, and this kind of cuts both ways. Like, it allows you to understand culture more, but then also understanding culture more lets you un- lets you learn the language more quickly as well. So it's kind of like. You know, it's a mutually reinforcing thing, but um, you know, just speaking some uh, lets you kind of delve into the culture a little bit more. And you know, in my experience, that's kind of helped me feel a little bit more at home and a little yeah. bit more connected if I can understand more of what's going on around me and why it's happening. Yeah, yeah. and that kind of makes me feel less alienated and less alien, I suppose. Yes. Definitely. Um, and I'll, I'll give you a final example. I went uh, to Akari's house for uh, New Year's dinner. Uh, you know, New Year's is very big here in Japan. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, you know, her parents, luckily they speak a little English, but we, we do need to communicate in Japanese quite a bit. Uh, and her dad, he showed me like, he showed me this investment banker test that he took in New York. Yeah. And he passed. He was really proud of it. He like took out this document from the closet. Like I passed this investment banker test in English in New York. And he was showing me the document. Yeah. And I was like, I was like perusing it a little bit, like looking at it. Then I went to the bottom and I saw like the, the minimum was 70%, right? Yeah. And I saw he got like 71% or something. <laughs> and then, and then I caught it and I was like, giddy giddy this ne. And it, it just means like you barely got by like in Japanese <laughs> and then he just started cracking up because, you know, but that's the thing though. If you learn the language, you, you know, you can make closer bonds like that, you know, even with humor. So very important. Very important. Is there, is there anything that you feel you understand a little bit better about Japan? Now you can kind of um, get, in, get into it a little bit. Yeah, I think if you can understand Japanese language, you can start to read between the lines a little better. Um, and Japan is all about reading in between the lines and reading yeah. the atmosphere. So just by by knowing which which uh, vocabulary words they're choosing or which intonations they have, mm. it definitely helps to to read between the lines. Uh, to if you know the language that'll definitely go a long way because in this country rarely are things uh straightforward right that's that's my impression yeah 
yeah. I'm also I'm also thinking uh, about something else. I'm, I'm curious as to how yeah. you found it. Um, and you you spend time in South Korea too, so it was somewhat yeah. similar there. Like how social hierarchies are very important, mm-hmm. and how maybe understanding the basic language around those social hierarchies can help you understand the social hierarchies a little bit better in themselves. Yeah, I mean, you mean the way the way people talk to each yeah, other? Yeah, like if you, I mean, the the language around those. Uh, around seniority is very important, right? Yeah. So if yeah. you can maybe see how people are greeting each other, then you can start to understand what the social dynamics are. Yeah, they, I guess they call it kego or just a respectful way of talking. If you can definitely notice uh, from you know the 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 level of respect one is using in their language in Japanese, perhaps you can draw out you know the relationships between people or that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting point, I guess. Um, I, I guess hierarchy seemed for me a bit stronger in Korea though than in Japan. So did it, so did understanding some of that language help you understand what was going on? Um, yeah, but not, not only the language, but body language and, uh, (laughs) that kind of, uh, other, other, other signs, but, uh, it does, it does help you understand what's going on. Mm, with the words they use the you know the sentences they form um you know it's really important i had a buddy who who wasn't good at using kego and he was rejected from from a job for that fact right because he spoke too casually in a job interview so you being able to master that way to talk in a business situation or you know when you're uh you know being uh, interviewed or or with a you know, someone in the, in authority, it can be important, especially in, in between Japanese people, I would, I would say. Mm, okay. Well, let, let's move on a little bit then and talk about some, mm-hmm. uh, some language learning tips, you know, and things that have worked for us or things we've seen of working for other people. Mm, um, mm. So what's your top tip for learning a language, whether that's English or otherwise? Uh, I think my top tip is always to use integration, uh, meaning never stick to just reading or never stick to just studying grammar or never stick to just practicing speaking. Uh, My experience in language learning is that if you combine the same lesson or the same sentence structure but learn it in various methods, whether it would be input, output, um, grammar, then it really sticks to your mind much better than if you just learn it one way. That's why I feel like so rarely does uh, listening to English or something or listening to Japanese, just listening to something, it never really helps too much. And just uh, practicing speaking also doesn't really help too much. Just integration of all the facets of the of the learning, I think is really important. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that plenty of times people focusing too much on their textbooks, thinking that's somehow the answer. And just if they spend enough time studying their textbooks, then they will become fluent. And Mm -hmm. that's simply not how it works. Yes. Yes. So you should always strive. I mean, if I write a Japanese word, the chances are the, the probability I'm going to remember it is much higher than I just say it. Well, yeah, and then the more you, more 
different methods you can use the better right yeah um so i think you know one thing that you said was important too is that uh, you should have a clear reason or some a clear goal yeah uh, and just desire to learn is not enough or you know yeah. sentiments such as English will help with my career is not clear enough or yeah. uh, I will earn more money if I learn English. Mm. That's not a clear enough motivation, right? It's got to be clear and it's got to be, uh, you know, directly linked to something that's happening in your life right now as well. Mm, 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 mm. It's definitely true. Um, like right now I'm starting to get more of a, more of a goal for learning more Japanese. I think I was a bit stuck for a while. I, I, my Japanese was passable enough to not keep improving. Mm. But now now I'm uh, in this new career and I'm thinking if I really want to accelerate this career, uh, you know, being able to function in Japanese will, will be better because there are clients who don't speak English very well. Uh, there are, you know, some companies which will only hire you if you have a certain level of Japanese. Um, it doesn't need to be fluent, but it needs to be like, a, you know, maybe a certain level. Like, so yeah. I'm thinking for my career opportunities, clear, clear career opportunities, uh, clear goals, then I, I need to improve. So, um, yeah, I've definitely picked it up in, in studying these days. So there you go. I mean, now, you know, you had the opportunity for several years and you were kind of at a plateau, right? And now you've got a clear motivation and idea, then yeah. that's going to really propel you forward. Um, I think another important part of it is really relationships, building relationships with, with people. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's not always easy, obviously, but um, if you can build relationships that are based on the language that you want to learn, then that's really going to give you a lot of exposure and a lot of opportunities to, uh, mm. to use the language. So that might be friendships. Uh, it might be romantic liaisons. Um, <clears throat> it could be in person, but it could also be online too. It doesn't have to be spoken either. It could be written. I know, you know, people mm. like to, um, you know, participate in online communities. I think that's a great way of um, building relationships as well. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, how about you? For you, what was the the key for you to learn Spanish then, effectively? Well, I think um, I did have a clear motivation. Uh -huh. um, I did, you know, put in the time. And that was great uh, to get started, but then I really needed to to have constant interaction and build relationships with people, and mm. so I did have the opportunity to, you know, to just use it in the way that it's intended. Right? It's not you don't learn Spanish or learn Japanese so you can speak in the classroom. Mm. You you learn it so you can take a taxi or you can. Uh, go on a date or you can haggle over the price of a watermelon or whatever it might be. Uh, that's why you're learning it. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, I was dedicated at start. I had a clear reason, but then what really helped was being in situations where I could speak Spanish every day. So, you know, the first mm -hmm. place I went was Cuba and that gave me some opportunities to, 
to put that into practice. Uh, mm. And then obviously later, a year later when I went to Mexico, you know, then it really accelerated because I had all kinds of different relationships with people. You know, I had informal ca casual acquaintances at the mm. local shop. I had professional relationships with my coworkers. I had friendships, had, dare I say it, some uh, romantic encounters. <laughs> uh, so, you know, in all of those situations, I needed to use Spanish. Yeah. And, you know, that's really, really pushed, pushed my level forward. Right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, you know, do you have any language learning goals coming up? I wonder, or, or maybe your brothers, uh, I know they're, they're a bit younger. A couple of your brothers are in their, their teenagers, right? I wonder if they have some yeah. language learning goals going on. Um, so I don't, I don't really, um, I, I guess that's one of the reasons why my, uh, Spanish yeah. levels been stagnating. Um, my brothers, no, I don't think they're especially interested in learning languages at the moment. Maybe that will change. Um, okay, okay. You know, once they start mix, meeting some sexy foreign girls or something, then maybe that'll give them a clear reason to uh, to push on with that. Um, mm -hmm. Another another thing I think really, that really helps in you know in the absence of relationships, which are not always possible, um, is you know making sure that you take what your current interests are and apply yeah. those to your language learning journey. Okay. Um, so I think there's a bit of a tendency for people to think like, oh, okay, well you should learn a language this way. So. You know, I'm learning English, so I need to read the New York Times. Uh, mm -hmm. Or I'm learning Japanese, so I need to watch NHK. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you love doing those things, if you love doing those things, then great, then do them. But, you know, there are plenty of opportunities to use the language that you're, that you're learning in a way that, you, you know, that supports one of the hobbies you already have. So, um, you mm -hmm. know, if you love knitting then uh, sign up, watch some knitting videos in, in Japanese or in Chinese or in Spanish. Um, mm. You know, if you love chess, then join a chess club. If you, um, you know, I can't think of any more ridiculous examples, but you get what I'm saying. I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember one student I had that loved boxing and mm. it just hadn't even occurred to him mm. to, to explore that in English. So the next time we went out on a field trip, we stopped by a store. I can't remember what it was. I think maybe it was Barnes and Noble. Mm. And we took a look at the magazines and he bought a couple of boxing magazines in England. Wow. And that kind of, you know, having that connection, you know, he, he wanted to know more about boxing. He wanted to read about boxing. Mm. Then he started reading about it in English and that, that helped him, you know, he didn't want to read the New York times and read about, you know, the financial crisis or, you know, the interest rate or whatever it might be. Yeah. That's a good idea. I should get a, uh, some basketball Japanese magazines. Sure. Reading about the NBA in Japanese language. Probably, it probably wouldn't be like, you know, that difficult either compared to like reading the newspaper. I think the vocabulary level would probably be much higher. Right. So. Uh, I'd assume it would be a little bit easier. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if, you know, that's going to keep you motivated. 
if you if you if you like basketball, it's going to be much easier to get through to the end of, of an article about basketball than it mm. would be if you were reading about cricket, for example. Mm-hmm. And uh, what would you say are the the pitfalls of language learning? Because we t- we're talking about you know the motivation you need. Uh, we're talking about the strategies of language learning. Uh, what would you say are some of the pitfalls then? Uh, I think lack of lack of consistency is often a pitfall that people fall into. I mean, I'd say you got to try and start. You got to try and do something every day, and. You know, that doesn't have to mean sitting down for an hour and quote unquote studying just means like engaging with something, you know, at least five or 10 minutes a day. And, Mm. you know, especially with all the kind of online apps that are available now, that's easier than ever. So I'm on that Duolingo. There you go. I mean, I'm not a huge (laughs) fan of Duolingo, but if you can do that for five minutes a day, uh, then that's better than nothing. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, you're not a what, what application's better than? Let me know what's going on. Uh, I mean, I think that's the issue. You don't, need, you don't even have gonna, a solution. I'm not going to. I mean, I think something. Although I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of either of these either. I think they're better than Duolingo, which is uh, Rosetta Stone and, and Babel. Both of those are more comprehensive language learning um, mm. platforms. As I said, I'm not the biggest fan of either of those two, but I think Duolingo has some pretty serious flaws in terms of language learning. It's great. It's good for building vocabulary. I don't doubt that, but apart from that, it's not, it's not yeah. useful. Yeah, my, my buddy learned Japanese pretty well using, like, what was it, Anki or Anki flashcards or something? I think he was – do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I don't, but I can imagine. Okay, okay. Um, but uh yeah no i think for me one of the pitfalls i see japanese people who are trying to learn english is they do have consistent output but it's very empty or shallow uh, they go to like some not all but some have like uh english conversation lessons like once a week and it's like output but that's all it is is out basically they're outputting what they know already <laughs> so i don't feel like they're improving very much at all so you have these people who have like English lessons for two or three years. They go to the school, they're outputting, and in the end, they're really not learning that much. Yeah, I'd echo that. I think a lot of people seem to think like, if I sign up for class, that's enough. And it's like, well, you know, signing up for class is just the first step. Like, if that's all you do is sign up and attend, you're not gonna you're not gonna improve very much. You've got to support that with other things as well. Yeah, I think th- those classes, the only purpose is to give you a chance for output. You still need to, like, study by yourself, uh, you know, learn vocabulary, uh, make new sentences. And then in class, if you mess up, hopefully a, a good teacher would correct you and show you the way. But mm-hmm. don't, don't do – you can't just not do anything for one week, show up, and then just start saying, you know, speaking with words and vocabulary – and sentences which already are familiar to you, it just doesn't help. Yeah, I'd say yeah, that's definitely true. I think another another one that I think this can be common with uh, Japanese language yeah. learners is uh, being afraid of um, being afraid of errors. I think, mm. and 
you know, I've had, I have, I would say something fairly regularly to, to my students, which is I'm still learning English, which doesn't yeah. normally click with them and doesn't really register with them. Mm-hmm. But it's true, you know. I'm still learning English. I'm still building my vocabulary. I'm. St- I still make mistakes all of the time. I'm sure if I listen back to what we've recorded today, I will hear one or two mistakes at least, uh, and that's just normal. That's a everyday part of speaking, even in your native language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true, true. Uh, there's there's still some words I can't spell. I think you know, and I, I think I have a pretty good vocabulary, but I think I mess up restaurant quite a bit when I'm <laughs> when I'm when I'm typing. And I have to go back, and luckily Apple saves me. But uh, I don't know. They're, we're all we're not all perfect, even if we're native, right? We we make mistakes, and um, yeah. Is there is there a word you have trouble with that you often misspell that should be quite easy to spell? Um, I often, despite frequently making the mistake and and recognizing again and again, mixing up principle and principle. Two different spellings with different meanings. Uh, that's why oh, okay. I continue to mess up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's. There's just everyone has got like a couple words, right? That they they struggle with, and even though they look them up, and oh, okay, we still do it again and again. Yeah. So you know, I'd say don't fall into that trap of being afraid of making mistakes. Mistakes are what happen, and you know, generally from what I've seen from being from speaking, but also listening, like people just appreciate normally that you're making the effort, you know, like the number of times that someone's going to laugh in your face because you made an effort, an error, very, very small. Like normally they're just going to appreciate and sympathize with you that you're making an effort to speak a language that you're not an expert in. Do you, do you screw up calendar ever? I screw up calendar a bit sometimes too. Um, now that oh, I'm thinking okay. yeah, ca- calendar, yeah. <laughs> do you screw it up? No? Uh, yeah, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. yeah, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's because of the way we pronounce it compared to the way it's spelled. Yeah, so I think, I think that's the thing though. And it's like, yeah. sometimes I've made mistakes in class too. And, uh, you know, yeah. students, students are kind of unforgiving when you make a mistake in class because they're looking at you like you're, like you're a god. You're a god. <laughs> you're an English-speaking god, and then they see you making an error, and they just can't comprehend that, what that means. Yeah. See, see. So, I guess the, the last point to touch on, then, Robin, is what what are your plans with the Japanese language here? Uh, we we've uh, danced around this question a little bit. And it's, <laughs> It's time to get to the crux of uh, what's going on here. Um, Will efforts yeah, be made? I need. I definitely need to do something a little bit more structured. Um, you know, maybe maybe something that we haven't really touched on and it's worth mentioning is like important part of language learning is enjoying it. Yeah. And if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to be able to do it for very long. And so, you know, from I like I like learning. I like playing around with uh, with words and phrases that I learn, and you know I, I enjoy that. And uh, you know I, I hope to continue. I think, especially when I plan on going to Japan, I think I'm going to have to try and expand my knowledge of some basic phrases a little bit more, just so uh, I can 
you know, mumble mumble through a few different social interactions. I think we got to get someone on the pod just to teach you some some a few phrases live on here. All right. Well, I might I might know a former Japanese teacher who uh, could assist with that, but well, I'll have to ask her uh, what she thinks. Um, so yeah, maybe we could get a couple of people on, like uh, one person to teach me, and then one person to rate my rate my output out of ten. <laughs> Shit. There you go. That's a plan. Let's do it. All right. Well, let's see. All right. Well, uh, let's bring things to a close then. Thank you so much for listening again. Uh, if you've got any comments, queries, or questions, you can send them over to uh, permanentlyres, that's R-E-S, at gmail.com. And uh, we'll uh, hear from you next time. All right. Waiting for another email from Prince Harry. All right. See you next time. <laughs>